0: Hello everyone and welcome to... Oh, I didn't clap, right? I think. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Hello everyone and welcome to BYOB episode 37. We are careering into the festive season and I'm joined uh, by the most wonderful hunk of Argentinian meat with a <laughs> side of English veg, our elf <laughs> from the top shelf, Jack Cussie. Oh, yeah.
1: How are you doing, mate? I'm yeah, uh, very good. Uh, is it, what good. is that the elf on the shelf thing? Is it oh, naughty?
0: I'm delighted you brought this up because that is where I wanted to begin. Um <laughs> so <laughs> not even in the running the, order. Yeah, Look I know. I, just, I snuck just in that sink, in. Mate. Just I'm like not Darren sink. Brown trick of the mind yeah. of just planting shit in there that you can't escape from. Um so elf on the shelf. This is basically. Mm. 1984, Big Brother for trying to make kids behave in the run up to Christmas. (laughs) It's just absolutely bananas. Now, I've been told about this. I hope you won't mind me saying this. I'll do a a minor mic, sort of drop, name, drop, clang thing here. Oh, here here we go. Stephen Kelly, former football player. um, He swears by it. He said it's the most unbelievable thing. And that his kids, who are by all accounts lovely kids, I'm sure, won't put a foot out of line while whilst this elf is really? on the shelf, because the idea is is you move it around, and the idea is, is that the elf is keeping tabs on the kids.
1: It's quite sinister, that isn't you know, it? You know, you could, isn't it? You, I've just had the idea. Don't, don't nick this, anybody listening or watching. But you could make a <laughs> yeah, because that's how Christ- the internet
0: works in <laughs> <laughs> You
1: could make a good Christmas horror film. About like an elf in Definitely. the shelf that keeps moving. And then the other parent's like, oh, you moved that to a good place this week. And the other parent's like, oh, I didn't move it.
0: Why has he got a knife? Yeah, hey, that would be, that hey would be you amazing. Go. Look at that. But Maybe I'll do that as
1: a little short. Maybe I'll write it out, make it for next Christmas. How about so
0: that? So I have a fun fact for you. Um, go on. That was a, a something, M. Night Shyamalan did something very similar as his first ever film. Um, well, a little that's short. That, that's yours would be better gone, isn't it? yours would that be better definitely gone, I'll watch your one um, but isn't it sinister <laughs> isn't it yeah, kind of like bad. a bit sort of like oh, do you know what I can't get my kids to behave and they're addicted to screens let's get the elf on the shelf and watch them just shut up that is amazing absolutely <laughs> amazing that that's become a thing
1: it's uh yeah um, mm. it's a bit it's a bit weird isn't it it's a bit <laughs> can weird can
0: file that one under not sure yeah not it. it's
1: kind of i don't know there's a there's a lot of things like that there isn't there? there's a big debate um as to whether or not parents should even tell kids i mean I, I was sort of try to mince my words here in case if anybody here has like little kids they listen with their kids and all that type of thing just pause it at the moment okay or skip skip ahead about thirty seconds all right so there's big debate as to whether or not parents should actually even tell kids that santa's real or not you know i, I was seeing this and some people say it's like tantamount to child abuse that they say you're lying to your kids and telling them that this person will come into the house and you're creating this fake world for children and blah 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 and i'm like man like touch grass like is, isn't this
0: when when
1: like the discussion the the discourse gets a bit
0: Guess a bit much. I don't Let know. them have something. Let kids have no. something in this weary world that is just going to batter them at every turn. Let, let them, please, of... just have something.
1: You could say, let them have a bit of pure imagination, mate. And that, yeah. I, I think that'll lead on to uh, oh, something you've seen this week,
0: it? Yeah. not you Yeah. Do you want to go into films we've watched this week? Do you want to have a little... Mm. Uh... Oh, actually, no. No, no. I've got some housekeeping to do. Very quickly. Oh, right. Next week... Um, I don't like housekeeping, you see. Yeah, I know. Definitely. You do instantly skirt yeah. over it. Shitty bollocks all over the floor. All over, <laughs> that is all this podcast it. in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> Never even seen a bog. Dirty brush. dishes. <laughs> <laughs> just pot noodles, just half eaten <laughs> out on the side. <laughs> um, so next week, the, the episode. So this is going to go out on the week before Christmas, which I think is the 18th. And then next week, we will have a little special something for you on Christmas Day. And then the week after, we'll be doing our full rundown, ranking the best films of 2023. So um, we came up with a kind of couple of bits of criteria because Jack is keen to include films that have been nominated for Oscars in the 2023 Oscars, but came out in 2023 and not in 2022. So anything that came out from January the 1st and had a cinematic release is up for discussion mm. so long as we've seen it. Now, I'm sure there'll be a couple that we, we have missed, but Jack and I did the list sort of over the course of the last 48 hours. We've seen a lot of films. This, not to sort of blow our own trumpet, we've watched a lot of stuff in the cinema.
1: We haven't. And it, it, it is worth making that point again, just to be clear. Like, when we start doing this kind of list of our favourite films of the year, it's ones that we've seen. So if you're like, but there's this one, I think like, for what example... About this
0: Danish film?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, the holdovers is one that I'm hoping to see, which is, you know, figuring in a lot of people's top lists of the year, but I don't think I'm going to get to see it before we record the pod. So I I, I don't know if you will, Hansie. Sort of,
0: I'm I'm, going to try, I wrote down three or four that I'm going to try and slam through in the next couple of weeks um, to make sure that by the time we rock around to it, that I'm ready to go, because I think there's a few in there that you've ranked quite highly in your sort of early tentative lists that i haven't seen i mean the big one for me is past lives because i really 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 wanted to see that but it's gonna be
1: film of the year for a lot of people mate that one
0: yeah it just beat me that one like i just couldn't quite make it work life-wise um but you did say it's still on at cinemas
1: i I i'm gonna say i said i wasn't gonna do this with purdy but i can't help it the guardian put in oppenheimer 32nd of the top 50 films of the year come on
0: what are you come on Really? I, honestly. Come on, Guardians! And I I, like, I, watched, I, I, had a look, I had a look at Empire's list as well, and I was like, "Lads, lads!" And but other-
1: Empire love—I I do like the Empire podcast. Don't get me wrong, but they love their superhero shit. Like they really, really love it. And I'm guessing that's has that skewed their list.
0: Well, somewhat? I, do you know? There's—I had almost forgotten about the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy Three came out this year. And that for me, I'm like that is definitely, definitely not getting into my top five, you know, or top. Oh no, no, no. But I think it got close for them. Um, I think yeah. yeah, See, if 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 we're talking twenty three
1: for twenty three, top twenty three, it might might creep into my top twenty three. I did enjoy it, but yeah, nowhere near the top ten.
0: That, that, do you know do you know? we're giving too much away? But it, it, yeah. like we, we'll do a right good sort out on that. Very quickly, let me give you a couple of comments from Love Actually. Uh, James JMS Kant said, I hate this film with a passion. <laughs> it's <is> so <laughs> funny. And we've had a few of those. I mean... Um, uh, Clay Hall Cartel said Christina's take is bang on So I was sort of saying Christina was saying That none of them are in love A series of unearned Grand gestures That bear no resemblance To actual love Forming the very worst Of Curtis We're mad aren't we Depictions of Britishness <laughs> twee, Misogynistic cloying shite Apart from that Love the pod, lads. <laughs> so cheers! <laughs> cheers for the, uh, cheers for the comment, and th- keep the comments coming in. I, I, I love seeing these, and we'll try and get around as many as possible. There's one more that I would that's love you to read.
1: I've got, I've got, to give that to Clare. That's, uh, that's, 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 that's it, spectacular,
0: f- phenomenal. I, w- I want to get you to read this last one because this was in response to you basically posting the andrew lincoln kind of like almost like the meme i guess of his character mark standing there with the prompt cards saying my wasted heart will love you until i look like Skeletor." but um you got a very good reply i thought
1: is this from mr jamie c weir as well
0: yeah it is friend of the pod
1: friend of the pod um a very Ari <laughs> e. Andrew Lincoln, a very generous way of saying unhinged, deranged, <laughs> should be issued a restraining order. Pervert who, on his best fucking mate's wedding day, was creepily filming shots of his missus to keep his own twisted wank bank at home. I
0: ah, mean, you know what's yeah. amazing. You, yes. did, you, I noticed two minutes ago when you're talking about Santu. Like, if you're listening with your kids, skip this bit. But you're perfectly happy. Yeah. <laughs> it go into the wank bank <laughs> uh, it's just it's just brilliant.
1: it's just a brand of bank it's where dads
0: <laughs> think about it like a lion's money
1: uh, okay, i'm not going to continue with that analogy let's just really? let's just leave that one behind but um brilliant talking comments. about talking What's about we'll go from we'll go from wankers to wonkers though ben yeah um, br- well
0: do you know what that is outstanding <laughs> Seamless <laughs> Seamless uh, Do you want me to do Wonka first? So I've, I've been on. to see um, I went to see Wonka There's a couple of, couple it's, the of big, it's, it's
1: the big film of Christmas right? People are
0: saying that People are saying that This is the, the The sort of family one Where you do your Christmas trip To the cinema And I did think about that this week I was thinking about the idea that For a lot of people Kids, etc., will be finishing for the holidays and they'll be on out to go and try and keep their kids busy. And that has kind of registered in my mind after having watched the film as opposed to before I went in, which is quite important. I will kind of get to that. um So, Wonka, we're, we're looking at a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, depending on whether you're talking about the book or talking about the film. Um, I'll give you the too long, didn't read on the plot, basically with sort of adolescent Willy Wonka who's trying to, um, or maybe late adolescence Willy Wonka, who's trying to kind of find himself and discover himself as a chocolatier. He arrives somewhere in Europe, which is quite interesting. He arrives in this kind of like nondescript European location where everyone is... English only. It looks like Paris, with the exception of where the chocolatiers all gather, which is quite clearly a kind of ripoff of the area around the Duomo in Milan as well, mm. which is quite interesting. Which the home to the the Gallery Gourmet, I think it's called, which is essentially the home of Slugworth, Pickle Gruber, and Prodnose, who are three master chocolatiers who essentially are a bit of a uh, a clan and have kind of created this underground dodgy chocolate network that is essentially <laughs> closing off the chocolate industry to everyone else other than those three and they've got um it's it's very kind of like Godfather meets chocolate uh those three um fairly simple script fairly predictable kind of story and and where it goes essentially Willy wonka signs a contract to get some shelter for the night when he arrives into this city and doesn't read the small print and essentially is on the hook for thousands and thousands of pounds and the only way he can pay off his debt is to uh work for olivia coleman and tom davis who are phenomenal they're absolutely brilliant and he has to do laundry for them for something like 20 odd years in order to pay off his debts um their characters lean very heavily, I would say. This is Olivia Colman and, and Tom Davis. They lean very heavily on Tom Davis's Murder in Successful's D.I. Sleep. Did you ever watch Murder in Success,
1: I didn't. It's, it's another one of those things that so many people have been like, oh, you'll love that. And I've never gotten around to it.
0: I do think you'd really enjoy it. I, I do think... Uh, like, I, 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 I know that is the most annoying thing in the world. But, like, it's but, right uh, It generally tends to, to
1: say it's something dark and sarcastic and whatever. It, so.
0: Absolutely. It's the same yeah. reason why when I described Bo as Afraid, you were like... And I said, I hated it. You'd be like, yeah, I'll give that a go. <laughs> I still um,
1: haven't seen it, you know? I still haven't seen it.
0: It's one to do. That's one for your list before we do the 23 and 23, because okay. um, it's definitely not getting on there. Um, but Olivia Coleman plays this sort of like Matilda, Trunchbull esque character, and Tom Davis is, is leaning on his DI Sleep from Murder in Successville basically they've they've trapped Willy Wonka and he has to try and escape um, Mm. and make his fortune. And along the way, we've got to meet the characters that are then going to go and be the characters that we see within Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, Lots of British actors in there, which is really, really cool. Um, Patterson Joseph, who plays Johnson in Peep Show, is like a pig in poo here. He is just loving it. Quintessential British. Baddie in a mm. in a three piece looks the part, sounds the part. Definitely
1: sounds the part, doesn't he? Bloody yeah, Magne- <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Sort of channeling a bit of the Johnson thing with maybe yeah. a little bit of a higher class. Snooty, looking down on. I lo- people, I've got to
1: say, I, I love him. Like, I, I re- think he's
0: phenomenal. I, I haven't watched whole story yet with him in.
1: I, I hear very no. good things about that. No, I, do
0: you not? Know, I, I've I, same. I heard loads of great story, uh, loads of great things about that. Um, Hugh Grant, who is having this kind of yeah. like heel turn at the moment in terms of the characters that the he's Renaissance. playing. <laughs> we call yeah, it that? yeah, exactly, exactly, and and brilliant in this as well as um an Umphalumpa, um. It, those are the things to like Hugh Grant, the, the, the three sort of like the three baddies, if you want, um, that are prod nose and Slugworth, And I forget the name of the, the other one, but it's the, the three sort of chocolatiers that kind of make this cabal of chocolatiers. And then Olivia Coleman and Tom Dav- Davis. Fantastic. Um, it's a PG film, right? So obviously it's kind of appealing to a younger audience and, the ideas of the the dreams that are described within the film, that the ideas of like Willy Wonka and these kind of like amazing bits of imagination are things like, wow, you could have a lifetime supply of chocolate. You could make chocolate that makes you float. Mm. You could make chocolate that makes you upbeat and happy. Um, And I found myself thinking that this is one of those films where it doesn't quite scratch the itch for the adults in terms of the, the kind of adult style jokes, but it doesn't quite nail the kind of, uh, maybe it would nail the the kid stuff. I mean, it, perhaps young people will go and see it and absolutely adore it and love it. I think. One it of the,
1: quite surprised well, me. Like It's written by Simon Farnaby, isn't it? Paddington mm, 2 and all yeah, that, which was yeah, yeah. like a masterpiece really.
0: Yeah. Well, now this is the thing is I don't think he gets close to that. I don't think it is. I don't think it's as tight, but I have seen that lots of other people, loved it lots of people it's been fairly well reviewed and it's, doing it's like really five well stars already. all
1: around isn't it?
0: yeah and I, I thought it was i thought it was okay i think the, the music didn't the music didn't hit for me it's, it's a musical and the songs are nice but you but you're comparing it to the thing that it did is it reminded me of mary poppins now it reminded me of mary poppins in mm. the sense that when the new version of Mary Poppins came out, you looked back and you were like, oh, that's nice, but it's not iconic, mm. you know? Mm. And the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder, and those songs, Pure Imagination, etc., and the Oompa Loompa song, they, these are iconic. Like, you, you can't get near to them. And I think, for me, the angle, when you do prequels, the angle to take is saving Mr. Banks, you know? Mm. That, for me packed such an emotional punch whilst also weaving itself into how the kind of the the film of Mary Poppins or the books of Mary Poppins were made and there was elements of fact and elements of fiction. I really, really loved that. For, for me, this film and I would say that the, the Mary Poppins, the second Mary Poppins film and now this this prequel for uh for Willie Wonka is kind of like when you put a piece of tracing paper over an image and sort of draw round the shape of an image like you know what the shape is you know what the picture is but all the corners are a little bit more curved and all of the lines are maybe not quite as sharp and the shape isn't quite as clear and even though it hits a lot of the marks and it hits a lot of the things where you think oh that's really nice and timothy chalamet is very charming and kind of funny and whimsical it doesn't quite nail it for me and it isn't on a level with it or close to the level of the original i'm sure it would do really really well it just for me it was kind of like a a six or seven um and i would maybe say it's one of those that if you go to watch it with your kids maybe your kids will love it but i don't think the adults will be sitting there i know we're going to talk about elf today <clears throat> But one of the things that kept coming to my mind this week was a comment you, or a tweet you put out about The Simpsons. And it just reminded me so much. When you watched The Simpsons in its heyday, you were just like, this is hitting every single marker. Mm -hmm. The jokes for the adults are hilarious and they're going over the kids' heads. The jokes for the kids are hilarious and they're silly enough that the adults can kind of roll their eyes and look at them Mm -hmm. and go, well, they're enjoying it. And I don't think this quite, quite gets there but it's it's perfectly fine and i'm I'm sure a lot of families will enjoy it
1: do can i i know this sounds so bad but even from the trailer i kind of got that feeling i kind of got the feeling of like i know i'm supposed to like this and i know i'm supposed to be kind of excited about this but i'm just not that arsed and I, I, it kind of plays into this part where We've sort of seen studios at the moment, they continue to recycle old IP at the moment, right? Because, you know, cinema's in a bit of an existential kind of crisis in some respects, right? Because studios are so reluctant to give new ideas a go. So they're kind of squeezing as much life as they can from all IP. And I do just find myself kind of asking the question, do we need a, like a Willy Wonka prequel?
0: Do you think will you do, you do think naturally it? that you, because because of that, when these things come up, you kind of naturally are like ready to buck against it after you've seen a trailer that you're naturally ready. to Because that, that was my worry. Maybe. My worry is that when I go into the cinema, that maybe I'm already in a place where I'm like, mm, mm. no thanks. And maybe. perhaps people with kids are going in, and the kids that maybe haven't seen the first one are like, well, wow, this is so cool. You know, but for me, I'm looking at it like, Ah, oh, why do we have to go and revisit something that was magnificent? You know, but One- it's just—it's there comment. is just
1: that irony to it, isn't it? Where you know the whole—you know—the the the, the the sort of the featured tune of the whole film is pure, well, the pure imagination and. There's not yeah. much imagination, it's just riding the coattails of a film from the 70s, aren't you? And you know, which is a book, but the film was kind of it, it breathed its own life into the the idea of Willy Wonka and Charlie and the oh, Chocolate Factory, and, oh, everything, didn't and, and I still and, loved it. You know, it came out probably nearly 15 20 years before I was born or whatever. And I oh, grew I up it. watching that movie, do you know what I mean? Loved it, I loved it, it. loved it, and it and scared me though, you know, it did,
0: and it was scary. And that's I think that's Gene Wilder was thing. scary. He was, and he was unpredictable and he was kind of, you were like, is he a goodie or is he a baddie?
1: Yeah. And, and, I always and used to couldn't... fall on baddie though. I think he's nasty.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important. I think it's important because Charlie is the goodie, you mm-hmm. know, and Grandpa Joe, they're the goodies of that film. And I think Willy Wonka is meant to be the challenge right he's meant to be the kind of like he's providing all of these weird meanders for you to kind of sit and go oh hang on where are we like and i I think what is lost in this is that they've tried timothy chalamet i'm sure they wanted to kind of pin this film on him it doesn't work if he comes in and he's a bit of a psychopath basically who's just invited a load of children to a Chocolate Factory. Um, I, I've, I've rabbited on for too long on this. One last thing, mm. Rowan Atkinson basically picks up where he left off from Love Actually and just really? plays it and does a little bit part and nice. it is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Nice. Um, you you went to cinema this week. Um, hit me with, I've got one more that I want to share with you in a minute, but go on hit me with uh, what you saw this week.
1: Sure, on the flip side of uh, Wonka, I went to see How to Have Sex, which is <laughs> a, uh, a debut film from writer-director Molly Manning-Walker. Um, you know, it's it, it's gotten a lot of people excited around the festival circuit and everything like that. It's a pretty kind of small release, although I still saw it in an Odeon. Again, oh, we're not you? being paid by them. Yeah, I did see it in an Odeon, but there's only been a couple of screenings I've seen of it. It's mostly a wanky cinema, wanky kind, cinema kind of release.
0: Yeah, yeah, a, a w, um, WCF.
1: So the film, it kind of, I would guess it's set in, you know, modern day, but it could be 10 20-ish years old sort of has a bit of an after sunny vibe to it of a, a a group of like three teenage girls who want to celebrate having finished their a levels and they go out to spain basically for the club 18 to 30 um circuit their whole mo is to get as drunk as they can to sleep with as many boys as they can and just revel in their youth um enjoy this kind of summer before they will have to go off to university and things get serious, right? Um the film mostly centers on a uh on a on a, on a young character um called Tara who's played by Mia McKenna Bruce. Um and Tara is she's a virgin, she hasn't slept with anybody yet and is feeling this pressure from her friends who, you, who it's implied are more experienced than she is, um, who are, you know, really trying to sort of egg her up to be like, you know, this is kind of the summer where you lose your virginity, you become a woman and you, you know, start to become an adult and ahead of us going into this adult world. Um, and so the, the film basically follows the three of them just doing what teenagers do on holiday, Getting pissed, smoking loads of fags, (laughs) meeting different kind of groups of people, you know, you have best mates for a night, you know, you have all these big plans of we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I think in their first night, they end up going too big in like the first bar they go to and end up staggering home with chips and having these kind of deep and meaningfuls, it, the film captures very nicely that sense of the teenage holiday, the the ups and the downs. We we, we all remember them, right? I'm sure we've all been on them. Most of us have anyway. Um, when you're kind of your best mate's one second and you're kind of sick of the sight of each other for a bit so you kind of retreat into your own little holes and then everyone gets ready for the night out everyone's back on the same page or that type of thing so they capture that very nicely um and what you see is this this group of girls they befriend a group of guys and their their lesbian friend who are staying in the apartment next to them so they have you know, conjoining balconies and they become like their own little group. Um And so the film from this point, it <coughs> starts to basically explore, like we're talking about, about those themes of sex about uh, Tara, whether she's ready or not for that. Um, It starts to delve into what happens with young people on holidays. People getting too pissed. People wanting to have sex. Um, and where the lines of consent begin to blur. Um, and I, I want to be very careful when I say that, um, because I think the film is explicitly making that point. That's not my own interpretation of the film. I don't think, well, I guess it is, but I would say that that's the the point that the film is trying to make, um, that everything can start to get a bit murky. Um around issues of consent i mean ultimately the issue consent is when somebody says yes you know that that that's that's the deep line to it but you'll see the way in which this film develops this theme in a very very real very human fashion um which is i think pretty i would say masterfully navigated by the young cast on show i mean this. It's a real, there's, you know, there's a real level of top drill performances um, all around in this film. It's, you know, I'd, I'd heard that the film was very good going into it. I made a point of going to see it because I'd heard it was very good. So we're talking about being led by, you know, expectation and everything like that. Um, but I did think the film was, it was exceptional. It did, was. Do you, do you, are yeah.
0: any of the cast people that you've sort of seen in other stuff? I'm just looking now and they're like... No. Th- th- nah. I d I don't recognise any of the the faces necessarily.
1: No. no, absolutely none of them. I don't I don't recognise any of them from it. I mean, maybe, you know, I maybe they've been in something when they were much younger and they've been a sure. kid in something, and that hence why I don't, but they're all probably I would guess around 17 to about 20, most of the cast. Um but like I say, you know, the, the I think the film, obviously the film is called How to Have Sex and A lot of the conversation around this will revolve around some of the issues that the film brings up. I mean, it probably is time to have a bit of a trigger warning for anybody in here that the film does deal very explicitly with issues of rape, of consent. Um, So, you know, if you are not particularly keen on seeing something that centers around that, probably isn't the film for you, or at least um, go into it knowing that because it's It's a very raw, very real um, depiction of certain holiday situations and dangerous situations that young people, especially young women, can find themselves in um, on holiday or anywhere, I guess. Um, But other than that, and I know that sounds like a like a quite small, like quite a big caveat. Other than that, it's just a very real very raw film about a group of best mates and how sometimes even your best mates can be the biggest fucking assholes at times you know like and they know they're being the biggest fucking assholes but you kind of forgive them for it because they're your best mates because at the same time they have your back and they're there for you and it's, it's 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 great i think it's it's one of the best kind of you know, dichotomies of friendship I think I've seen on screen for a long time. Um If you did enjoy After Sun, uh, which, you know, that sounds strange to say if you have seen After Sun, to say if you enjoyed it or not, I think this will be up your street. It's very um. similar feeling, I would say. Um It's a, yeah, it's a great film, beautifully shot, beautifully <coughs> acted. Um, And I would say, molly manning walker is definitely one to watch so
0: yeah after sun was after sun was special film isn't it really yeah. really special yeah um but one one to go and see at the cinema
1: i don't think you have to see it at the cinema but you know why not support support a small ish british production do it cool oh
0: nice nice um very quickly um because oh, I've seen Leave the World Behind this week as well, which is an interesting one because it was given a cinematic release. Um, have you have you had a chance to watch this yet?
1: I haven't, but funnily enough, and I didn't realise this at the time of seeing it advertised on Netflix. I've actually read the book that it's based on. I read it during lockdown.
0: Yeah, see, I'm really intre- I'd be really, really interested to see after you've watched it where it kind of lands. Um, because of because of the what the book is, kind of like when the book was released, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> so can I give you my
1: take on the book? And then yeah, I, go on, you go can on, go see on, how on, that compares. Because yeah, yeah. what I found with the book is that some of the themes it deals with are very clear and it's very originally dealt with in terms of the setting. Um, I think the setup of the book itself is very intriguing. Um, the kind of the apocalypse unfolding is is very good going i quite like media stories that don't i don't just start in the end times or end yeah, with yeah. the end times <clears throat> they show you like for example the quiet place the development of how the end times came to be yeah um but i kind of feel like the film set everything up quite nicely it had some good conversations in there namely about race um and you know, social engineering in a way. Um, but then I just felt like it was like, oh, you set all this up and it didn't really go anywhere. Didn't yeah. really do anything.
0: So this is, this is for me the that, what I'll get onto, but the, the, it's the fundamental problem with the film is that, like a lot of other films, it's a great idea with the the execution just missing a little bit, basic premise... A white family goes out to have a long weekend away in the suburbs outside of the city. Um, they're staying at an Airbnb they haven't met the hosts of the Airbnb they're just going to go and let themselves in. Um, Julia Roberts's character basically is is working in media or or marketing and is is just kind of had enough of the rat race and so wants to get out of town and wants to kind of like disconnect. Um, which is really, really important. It's directed by Sam Esmail, uh, who was the creator of Mr. Robot. I don't know, have you seen Mr. Robot, or did you come across Mr. Robot at all? Yeah,
1: well, I watched the first couple of series of it. Yeah,
0: and and it's again lovely, lovely concept, right? Some really yeah. cool acting in there, and and some like some terrific performances, but also some really thought provoking stuff, which is fascinating and really, really interesting. And and the idea of Essentially, the film is an exploration in what happens when you are out there on your own and things start to go wrong, but you're isolated, you are disconnected, and you are just left on your own with your your family and relative strangers to try and come together to work out what the hell you're going to do with an end-of-the-world-style or apocalyptic-style situation. And it gently teases how... This is all starting to, to come about, how the world is starting to end. And we don't know whether it's man-made. We don't know whether it's a natural thing, um, whether it might be aliens or whether this is kind of like um, this is countries turning on each other. Um, but this family is disconnected and they essentially meet the owners of the Airbnb who happen to be black and Julia Roberts, family happened to to be white and there's a bit of a uh, essentially a a dive into the trust dynamics and then the kind of underlying sort of i suppose dog whistle racism or I, at times in the film kind of quite overt racism uh that in particular Julia Roberts' character shows towards these um people who own this house who are who are black. Now the the idea is a really, really nice idea. <clears throat> and the the actually the Sam Esmail said that the film is set within the um Mr. Robot world. So it's kind of in that in that landscape. And there's a couple of Easter eggs in there for, for people who are big Mr. Robot fans. Um and and on the face of it, it's a it's a really really nice setup and a nice idea. Like you're saying about the book, it's something that you would feel like, okay. Where's this going? And you are watching and thinking, okay, where's this going to go from here? I, I like where this is heading. Where's this going? Where's this going? Where's this going? And the film is kind of set into chapters. I think it's in five chapters. But the problem is, is when it's changing gear between these different parts of the narrative, it literally feels like you know those sort of within a film, <clears throat> within a film, it's always a bus driver trying to change the gear in the bus, and he can't get the clutch in. It's like <laughs> trying to sort of get the gear to go into gear. It feels it's a like a horrible that.
1: noise. That isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's,
0: yeah. <sighs> (sighs) like crunching (laughs) grinding horrible clutch sound and that it feels like as the film is changing gears and trying to move the story along it's really clunky like there's a there's a bit in it where julia roberts kind of comes to her senses and realizes kind of that she's actually been this nasty person and that she hates people because of what people because of what people have done to the world and that's why she's kind of so nasty and horrible and bitter and this speech just doesn't really land. It's a bit too up its own ass to actually make sense. Um, there's there's some, the cast is brilliant. I mean, it, it, there are a number of really good. I mean. Amazing actors in there. So you obviously got Julia Roberts, you got Kevin Bacon, you got Marshall Ali, um Harla Harold, who you you might remember was in Dumb Money. Where we talked about her for Dumb Money. Mm. Um and she, she was in the lesbian couple in Dumb Money, which was really, really she was great in that, and then she's very, very good in this again. Um but all of the Ethan Hawkes in it too, all of the the, the characters that you want to see more of. They're just not given enough. You don't sort of get to see those characters. And it's a a classic case of great idea meets poor execution. So I wrote down a few that I thought of straight away that came to mind and, um, for every kind of quiet place, there's also a Vanilla Sky or The Box or Jupiter Ascending or In Time or Looper, Jumper or The Matrix Four. Now I, think, I know I think you're
1: doing Vanilla Sky a little bit dirty, looping yeah, them with eyes listen, like I,
0: that. Yeah, listen, I I really I love <laughs> Vanilla Sky. I love Vanilla Sky. And you get, but you get to the end of Vanilla Sky and you're like, ah, oh, okay. You yeah. know, and, and but the no, I mean, and yeah. the reason why this reminded me of Vanilla Sky is because this film feels like it's going somewhere. And it feels like it's it's on its way. But the best way to sort of put this, and the best way to kind of like provide the the litmus test, right? The kind of like to to set the bar so you can see where it is, is to think of The Last of Us. Now I re-watched episode three and episode five of The Last of Us, which is the episode with Bill and Frank the gay couple and then the brothers Henry and Sam um and the they're both black um characters now the 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 way that their inclusivity and the the, the kind of the issues of homophobia and race are, are, are tackled in the last of us is so tender and honest and authentic and and seamless you kind of you see these people in the end of the world scenario yeah. where they have to confront things like humanity peace safety security how they're going to protect themselves from the outside world but it does it so wonderfully and you never feel once that they're like oh look here's two gay men trying to survive the end of the world you're like here's two people who are trying to survive what looks like a zombie apocalypse they just so happen to be gay you know and that and that for me is the kind of the key thing of where this probably falls down in comparison to the last of us. And that's an unfair comparison because I genuinely think the third episode of the last of us is one of the greatest episodes of anything in TV history. Um, But, but here's the, here's the kicker because this is a Netflix release. I would say, give it a go, you know, because you're Mm. not having to go down to the cinema and, and part with your hard earned cash to kind of, actually kind of sit there and take in a film i think it's only a couple of hours long like i'd give this a crack because it's interesting to see what you make of the idea so i do think it's uh a, an interesting watch i just wouldn't necessarily be rushing to the cinema to, to take it in
1: okay so
0: yeah. we've done a lot of film stuff today and we've still got to talk about <laughs> one of our one of our favorites uh christmas favorites of all time is there anything else or should we blast on to elf
1: Let's blast on, mate. Let's do it. Why'd you it. pick Elf? I picked Elf because I thought, you know what? There's like there's a fair bit to unpack there, and I just really bloody love it. It's I just really bad, bloody love it? it, and I wanted to it's, talk about it.
0: It's so good. It's just lovely. It's just so so nice. Right, George, shall do, slide? do gone in sixty seconds?
1: Yeah, go on. Right, let's get you. A, let's get you ready. T- <laughs> <laughs> because you know the thing is i was saying like last week about like love actually i was getting i was starting to hit the point where i'm like i'm almost getting to a point where I'm like, i've seen this too many times you know yeah elf um, is lovely elf though, isn't it? nah <laughs> like yeah. elf let's just keep that going let's keep Give that going buddy every right. year countdown to the start of your one minute begins now five okay, so four, Oh, sorry three on. two Primature. one let's go
0: so we follow Buddy the Elf, who basically finds out that he's not human, doesn't quite fit in the elf world, um, and he decides that he's going to go to the real world to meet his real biological father. Before having left the North Pole, we finds out that the festive spirit that helps Santa sleigh uh, fly is very much uh, through the floor. He heads out to find his dad in New York City. His dad is failing in his job as a as someone who creates books for children um, it, he uh, on his own sort of like naturally gravitates towards areas of in new york that feel like him because his dad sort of shuns him he basically goes into a toy shop realizes that everything is not all it's cracked up to be in terms of living in the real 15 world seconds. Um, uh, he starts to realize that he's not going to fit in even though his dad starts so. to accept buddy as a son uh, buddy ruins his dad's job gets his dad fired gets disowned Five. goes out into central park to find Santa there and then has to fix his sleigh and get him back in the air using his christmas spirit that was really cool that was like I, I i was really i've been on a good run and i didn't quite nail that one
1: not but one of your probably. best ones i'm i'm going to be honest not one of your best and i feel I feel, I feel i feel i feel quite okay saying that mate because i'm so <laughs> fucking awful at yeah, this I, so. I,
0: I, I, I I've, I've tried dragging to steam, you down to
1: my level, I buddy. I tried
0: to steamroll it. I d I, I I couldn't cut it on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke sort of vibe. <laughs> that was very that was very average. Now you text me this week and it's a really, really nice text to receive. You said this film has so much heart. What did you mean by that?
1: It's just what's gonna say, it warms your cockles, doesn't it? Isn't that <laughs> the expression that people say? I don't I, it's just really nice, mate, because it's it's silly and it's funny, but it manages to, it lands the ending, because you see so many, right? You see so many of these Christmas films now. It's a big business, right? right? Making a Christmas film, writing or making a Christmas film. And they all follow this. You can see it's quite a prescriptive beat sheet now, um, especially coming towards the ending, where they try to pull at the heartstrings and they just don't manage to land it. But I think like, Elf, it still to this day can take you by surprise a little bit because it's so silly and it's so funny and it's so kind of, I guess, detached from being too earnest that right at the very end when it is relying on sort of you to, to get you in the feels, like you said at the, in your sort of spoil it in 60 seconds, I swear I call that feature something different every single week, but... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. They uh <laughs> they drop in at the very beginning, yeah. You know, the gun is revealed in the first act. They drop in the kind of the the spirit of Christmas thing and then they leave it right till the very end to, to bring it back around. Swap it in your face, and then you suddenly like it gets you. In this in this cold, stark, modern world, news reporters there, let's get a glimpse of Father Christmas. There's a weirdo in Central Park. The media are there covering it. Everyone there doing all their various different jobs, watching it in a bar or here, there and everywhere. And then suddenly they all come together with that spirit of Christmas. And it does, it just gets, it's that little kind of lump in the throat. It's, the, it's one of those films that when I'm watching the television, Charlotte will be like, ah, look, you try not to cry aren't you and i'm
0: like no no <laughs> what are you on about no for me i uh, love that, that do you know what i mean though you. i yeah. think it takes oh, you by 100%.
1: surprise so much this film it yeah, because it doesn't telegraph he, it
0: you've got little moments as well that just kind of come out of nowhere mm. that you're like oh that's nice james Kahn's um his his, his you know that in the parent trap we had the t h e m them, them. You know, yeah. when he, when he's, I forget what the line is that he says to his boss when he just walks out and he's like, sort of like, yeah, you can shove it. You can shove up it. Yours. Jump, I'm out. <laughs> up yours. Yeah. I'm out. <clears throat> um, and it does hit all those beats, you know. it does but
1: On, on him, like there's that one bit and they don't, they don't go on about it. They don't make a whole big thing about it, but it's just like when Buddy first shows up. And then so he just looks at his old yearbook and looks at the old pictures of himself when he's young, his girlfriend at the time, Buddy's mother. And that's it. They leave it there. They just leave. They have that nice moment of a guy now in his, whatever, 50s, 60s, maybe early 60s at that point, happily settled down with his wife and kid now. But still... Takes that little moment just to escape into his high school yearbook and remember the old, nice relationship that he had once upon a time. Yeah, and then they the, leave it at that. And do you know what I mean? There's those nice little emotional kind of like twangs in there.
0: Yeah, I think that the full circle thing is is lovely, isn't it? And and the idea of him not, like not having a place, Buddy not having a place, and then finding his place. And, and it the, the, the we'll get on to talk about the kind of the innocence of it, but it very much tugs at that idea of the, the innocence of children. In fact, like, let's go, I'll tell you what, let, we'll do this section next. Now we just spoke about this with regard to Wonka, but mm. I think it's really where Wonka is a great example of a film that is st- striving hard to hit both audiences. I think this is the, this is the playbook Elf is the blueprint for how you nail making jokes for adults that tick the boxes for them and will have you belly laughing as an adult whilst also nailing the, the fun stuff for kids as well. You yeah. can imagine kids sitting there absolutely in stitches watching some of the physical comedy that will feral sort of displays whilst adults are also sitting there and watching him take the gum off of railings and (laughs) seeing some of his um seeing some of his kind of laugh out loud moments that that tick tickle you as an adult who is now gone on into the world and is sort of living almost a bit like james khan in your serious job and having to crack on and then seeing a buddy go and get pissed with um with his colleagues down in the warehouse you know and almost kind of leaning on that that office style reference of like, Oh, the, the, the blokes downstairs in the, in the post room, you know, mm. putting maple syrup in their coffee and buddy getting hammered and then ended up doing sort of dancing on the, uh, on the tables. It nails that, that scratch bow itches.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause I think there's probably, there's a few other candidates. I think, you know, some of Tim Burton's films do it quite well. Pixar films do it quite well, but I honestly don't think there's another example of a movie that... I, and I was I was saying that this time as I was watching it, I was like, it is simultaneously, almost perfectly, an adult's and a kid's film. And I don't think... Yeah. I really struggle to think of a better T-toy example story, of one of these possibly. films. Maybe, but even then, mate, I, I, I think that probably leans more towards being a kid's film. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Elf, like you say, I think... And part part of the magic of this is Buddy the Elf, in so much as you see his interactions with all these very real adult characters, and what 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 I think this film does so well is that it, it treats Buddy like in a in a very real sense, as in like if there was a guy this kind of bizarre <laughs> around you. Like, it, it, it wouldn't just be kind of like, oh, that's just buddy. It's kind of what he's like. Like, you do see kind of how everyone thinks, okay, this guy's really weird. But they also use him as almost like a bit of a window to escape into their own kind of little little world. I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit. No, but um, we
0: can we can do that. that. That kind of naturally sort of like leans into the the, the bit that we were going to get onto.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, because he really is like, he is supposed to be, you know, everyone's inner child in this film. So you see him obviously meeting Zoe Deschanel's character, who is a, you know, you would guess a kind of 20-something, working in her kind of, you know, in-between job. She's got aspirations of being a singer, but the real world's sort of grinded her down a bit. She's feeling self-conscious, all this type of thing. And then she just suddenly meets this wrecking ball of a guy who she can't quite work out if he's somehow you know um mentally challenged i don't know if that's the politically correct i I think
0: it is because i was i was gonna say something else that probably wouldn't have been sort of (laughs) the right way to put it but (laughs) it she it's clearly going through her mind right she's like is this guy okay
1: or is he taking (laughs) the piss but either way she's sort of seeing somebody that isn't bound by the rules that adults set for themselves and set for one another and obviously in turn it allows her to just enjoy a little bit of christmas cheer to to find her own inner child and then to ultimately end up singing in front of people again um similarly with james Carn and james Carn's character bully's father and i think in some ways here's maybe my hot take of the film in some ways I think Buddy is supposed to be like a metaphorical he's obviously quite he's realised as a very actual kind of <laughs> inner child, if you like. But in some ways I think you could say he's James Kahn's inner child. Yeah. That James Kahn is kind of the star of the show and that Buddy is making this Scrooge type figure. Remember what's important, in not just in, for Christmas, but in life. Um,
0: Particularly when you see them go into work together, right? They walk yes. into work and they're both exactly. dressed exactly the same. But his dad goes in front, ignores everyone, doesn't even sort of bat an eyelid at anyone and Buddy stops for everyone and is just full of joy. It's kind of like, yeah, this is what you should be. You know, I'm showing you how to... And it's weird because Buddy the the Elf is... You're looking at him and most people would say, well, that's bizarre, weird behaviour. All he's doing is being nice. (laughs) He's just being nice. Just saying I nice mean,
1: things he, to people. Well, well, he, is bit, I, he is a little bit weird, Ben. You've got to say. Oh, he's it. properly yeah.
0: odd. <laughs> right. like, you, you and I are both the sort of people that if he walked past us and went, good morning, and then like, like tried to tickle us and be like, can you piss off? <laughs> you know I mean? We both be like, leave me alone. Why are you so happy? Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine someone like that coming into the office and they're like, why are you so chirpy? Why are you so bloody happy just leave uh, me alone. Off. <laughs> Get out. Um What are you up it, to? Yeah, it, it, what's your what's your hidden motive here, you know? And that's quite a sad sort of indictment on the on the state of office culture in the, in the UK that people most people anytime something's nice they're naturally wary of them. Like <laughs> why are you being nice? <laughs> um it, it, I did think that you you you're sort of nailed on the head there with the James Cann's character stuff um because lots of the kind of classic sort of ticks for him, right? So we get the redemption arc for James Caan in terms of the, the kind of Christmas spirit stuff and it being, I mean, listen, there's no, no dialogue on this as to whether this is a Christmas film or not. It's so it's dripping in Christmas film. You get the redemption arc. You almost get a little bit of a throwback to a Christmas carol. You know, it's kind of Scrooge going through mm, the phase. Definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. A little bit of Mary Poppins in there as well, in terms of like our da- our dad, the the banker, almost going every day. All he does is work. He can't see past the end of his nose because he's so busy working. Um, And then you have the the family aspect. You have the idea of re- realising what's important and the spirit of Christmas at the heart of everything and making Santa's sleigh fly. The idea of light trumping darkness, and the idea of good trumping bad, peace, joy. And then really, I think the thing that we see for every character is the idea that the best version of yourself is, is the way to be. And buddy in his kind of ignorant, innocent way is the, the beacon for the other characters to realize that it's okay to be nice. It's okay to be a good version of you and, and bring kind of positive energy. Although I will say I did enjoy Peter Dinklage kicking his ass. (laughs) I thought that was quite (laughs) funny. Yeah, Yeah
1: well it's interesting another another comparison um and it's not a christmas one is with barbie because i think Mm -hmm. barbie really leans quite heavily on elf in some way i'm I'm not i'm not taking anything away from barbie great great film great you know production everything like that one of the most successful films of all time but obviously you know barbie is coming from barbie land into Mm -hmm. the real world in much in the same way that you know buddy the elf does in this and they both have that same, basically, childlike wonder at the world. They look at the world in a different way. And I think that's ultimately the message of the film, right? Not only for the characters, but for us as the audiences. It's sometimes you just have to drop the cynicism. And as we've just said there about, you know, if somebody like Buddy was in the office, we'd be thinking what are you up to and all this type <laughs> of thing. That just sometimes just try to view the world through... The same eyes you had when you were five years old, because that's what Buddy the L feels like a a five to ten year old, doesn't he? Trapped in the body of a of a of a man, <laughs> like in the way he's the way he interacts with people, his mannerisms, all that type of thing. Um, and there's a scene for anybody that has seen Barbie. There's a scene that you know is is uh, a lot of people hold up as one of the the, the great points in the, in the Barbie film when you know Barbie has come from this plastic land where you know there's no misogyny there's no hatred there's no ageism because there's no old people there or anything and she sees an old she comes across an old lady it's the first old person she's ever seen she doesn't really know what it is but she just says to her wow you're beautiful um and you know the old lady's quite taken aback yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it's just it's it's a nice nice kind of moment um and i think that's you know what? This kind of buddy elf—that's his purpose in this film, isn't it? To to show everybody that maybe sometimes don't take it all so seriously. Just yeah. sing, sing a little song. What is it? What's the What's the saying? S-
0: sing loud. Uh, the best way to spread festive cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. There you go. You- dong, merrily on high. <laughs> there you, <go>. <laughs> you don't need bit. any excuse. That's oh, the thing. I
1: really do not, mate. Oh, I bet I are you a Christmas want Carol some figgy fan? Pudding. Yeah, Mate, big time. <laughs> am I a Christmas? Am I a Christmas Carol fan? But
0: like, I just mean like, where? Granted, you'd be singing around the house. Mm. Would you be someone that if someone said, "Oh, we're going to go and sing carols," you would be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that."
1: Uh, I don't know if i do want to do it door to door, but if even... somebody was like, "Why don't you go and train with this sort of choir?" A local choir i would probably be tempted to do that
0: oh, mate, i would love to see you do that <laughs> i would love it that would be brilliant i would absolutely i was at um i was at uh st alban's cathedral st alban's abbey the other day and um just was walking through the kind of like the grounds and the park which is basically kind of this huge sort of lovely area in st alban's just going to see a couple of friends there and just thought oh, I'd pop my head in just to sort of see what the the Abbey looks like at Christmas, I'm sort of very kind of like old like that now. Um, and there was a choir practicing singing carols, oh, very mate. very similar sort of vibes to kind of like Home Alone, no one else in the Abbey, and um, just when I sat down and it was unbelievable. There was something quite um, slight, sort of sorry for the meander of piece here, but it's quite. I don't know what it is there's something quite calming and quite soothing in terms of hearing christmas carols sung like that in that way that i can't really find from much other i don't think there's many other things is there that can can do that to you make you feel that level of calm and that level of just sort of tranquil
1: once in Royal David City. Yeah. Silent Night. Silent you know, Night. some big ones. Some yeah, big Silent ones
0: there, Night right? has got a great sort of like you almost, it's almost meditative, isn't it? The idea of hearing people sing that and not with any instruments, just singing and doing all the different, absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you doing that when you agree to do it next year, mate. I'll be there in the front row. Um, but you have done a kind of perfect segue for me. Now I'm going to call this section Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, what is your level? Um, because <laughs> I was thinking about this after I watched the film. I was thinking, I was like, this is Will Ferrell. Would you say this is Will Ferrell at his best or up there with his best?
1: Up there, but I, th- I think you've got to give it to Anchorman, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think Anchorman is, like, I mean, Anchorman is so iconic. And there's some other Will Ferrell performances that I'm, I'm, like, I would definitely, definitely say for me, love to watch and very fun and very silly. Do you ever see
1: Stranger Than Fiction?
0: No, I didn't.
1: It's kind of, it's it's bordering on a straight rail for him. It's actually really good.
0: Yeah. Well, this is amazing, right? Because I watched, I watched a couple of interviews of him this week doing the, um, doing the kind of press rounds for, for Elf. And he was just on the transition from Saturday Night Live into doing more kind of um film stuff. And he's kind of doing his interviews semi-seriously, which is quite interesting because you just don't ever think of Will Ferrell as ever not no. being silly. But I wondered, kind of, where do you sort of place Will Ferrell in terms of the quality of what he does? Because, like I said, I think I've seen him do things that I just think that is so iconic and so amazing. But equally, I felt like in Barbie, didn't really nail it. That character just felt a bit weird. Um so, just does well, he? They were
1: just I, trying to lean on the the his character from the Lego film a little bit. Yeah, I feel, with that one.
0: Yeah, and so what? What basically the question is now. This is what I wrote in the running order. It was like, hmm. is he braver than I'm giving him credit for? In that he'll just have a crack. He'll just give it a go and try something. And if it works, it works.
1: I think so. I can't. And I, I you know, I, I, I beg forgiveness. Um, to the writer but one of the where was it on might have been on adam buxton's podcast i listened to one of the the writers um of succession um someone from the writing team and uh i think adam buxton in this kind of like britishy way was being a bit like oh will ferrell produced it did he kind of thing it's snooty, yeah and she was like you know don't judge a book by by its cover you know will's will's a genius like he's some of the funniest moments in succession will often come from him just when he's like hey why don't you try doing something like this or whatever um and she was just talking about what a naturally very funny very smart very sharp guy he is um so i think my my point is like it's very easy when you are very smart and very funny i would know um
0: <laughs> to
1: uh to let your ego come first to think you're above doing certain things whereas i think what i would give Ferrell is that, and he's been in some stinkers don't get me wrong and he has really irritated me and i i even think some of his affected public persona, maybe more when he was at the peak of his powers, started to get a little bit annoying. So don't get me wrong. I'm not completely totally giving pass that. that. I totally um, can see that. I do think the fact he is like, sure, let's give this a go. Let's have a crack at this. Something like Elf, I think is, uh, you know, credit to him. That he, that he doesn't think he's above doing something like this. Because what he has done is that Elf sounds like it should be a stupid film um all oh, right christmas slapstick family movie but it's actually not and I, I don't want to sound too like you know strokes beard about this but i do think it is a very smart very well written very engaging film you know like i was talking about it having a lot of heart it does have a lot of heart and it's not too mawkish it's not overly sentimental and a big part of that is is down to Ferrell managing to keep up the equilibrium as this silly, stupid character that doesn't allow the main thread of the film to get to more because it's everyone around him having their own moments of realisation of like, I should be a bit more like Buddy in some ways. Do you know yeah, what I mean?
0: And, and, and because everyone else, because everyone else in the film is serious, it completely gives him licence to just be consistently... Ridiculous. You know, it gives him license to be silly and naive and innocent and apply a shed load of maple syrup onto spaghetti with MMs. <laughs> like that like that is so wonderful because you watch it and you like, that's bizarre and ludicrous. And I want to see you eat it. You know, it's like you you don't um you don't want to su- you don't have to suspend reality because he's coming out of somewhere crazy and then inserting himself into realism you know so it's easy to follow and it's easy for us kind of as the audience to just see this guy and go okay how are you gonna fare in this and 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 i i don't know where to go from here there's a couple of little things that are very okay well, firstly in terms of being out of their comfort zone like one one thing there james Kahn said that up until the film came out he said he barely, like Will Ferrell said, he barely spoke to him. <laughs> he couldn't speak to him much at all, and in much in the same way that I sort of was thinking, like De Niro probably can be, in that he, that he, if he doesn't have to talk, he won't talk. He, he give as much as he gives, but James Conn apparently went to Will Ferrell after the premiere, and he's like, "Gotta be honest." And we were working together I thought, you are really overdoing that. <laughs> you are really <laughs> overdoing it. And he's like, and now I've watched the film, I can see what you were going for and it's brilliant. Well done. And then Will, Will Ferrell was like, had no idea that James Conn thought he was being a buffoon the entire time and it wasn't going to work. <laughs> and just, just, it was just kind of like keeping quiet and not saying anything about it. But Will Ferrell had the panic that it wasn't going to work. He had the panic that this was all going to be a bit much, um, And so in terms of kind of like going out of your comfort zone, they just went and shot all this stuff of him in yellow tights, in a green jacket. They didn't hire extras. They just went out into New York City and he did all those random things. So he ran up to a guy in a red tracksuit and called him Santa for real it wasn't an extra he just ran up to a guy <laughs> and said "santa oh sorry" and, and and then just sort of ran away from him and they just captured that candidly almost like a trigger happy tv style thing um, the only thing he didn't do is eat, eat the gum but he he did everything else that sort of he went and took all the flyers from all those people ran into the place world's best cup of coffee and all of that he just did all of these things they weren't set up they weren't staged he just really yet just went out into new york and that was and that was when he was like this could be dreadful this could be absolutely dreadful this could look like anything um so that there was a whole thing there of him putting himself out of his comfort zone because this was only his kind of second film, I think, maybe second or third film. Probably what else feature. had he done? I was trying to think. Before Saturday Night this point. Live was the well, big yeah, stuff. no, but
1: in terms of movies, like what had he done?
0: Well, I don't know, I don't know what it is that we To IMDb, kind of... here we go, diving in. Um, uh, yeah, so he did like had a couple of little bits and pieces in 2000, and like. 2003 let's have a little look
1: stepbrothers just, just has that been had that, that been
0: done in to, right so no, no no i was just i'm Henry. just scrolling past it he oh he'd done old school that was it he'd done old school yeah, that oh was yes the, yes that was of course the, that was the and that kind of like took him from saturday night live into into this and and so he's still very early on and it's quite a brave thing to go for oh, he was but in
1: austin powers as well
0: we also yeah of course he was the guy who falls off the cliff and goes down yeah. to the floor and is like i'm very badly burned but i'm still alive um <laughs> Uh So yeah, then you also have Zoe Deschanel, kind of very early on for her. She'd only had a couple of films. Then you had James Cahn, and this is very different for him, of course, from what we're used to seeing him in. And then John Favreau directing it, and this was only his second directoral directorial feature as well. What he um, done before
1: Swingers, I think. Yeah, I
0: think so. And that was, uh, and so for all of them, it was all it was a very much like kind of let's see, then let's see how this goes. um but it works, you know. It really oh, works. I think because they commit, you know, because they really commit to it, um, and it's true, yeah, it's, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And I, I think this is to go back to the original point. This is Will Ferrell up there in his kind of if you were doing his kind of like God tier. This is in his God tier, him genius level for me.
1: It's it's, it's he's he is brilliant in it. Like he is brilliant
0: one other thing that I'll say as well, just on that kind of going out your comfort zone thing. Now, this is, like I said, there's the guerrilla filming that they used for getting the shots in New York City. This film, I think technically as well, there is some stuff in this. Now, this is actually a really good thing. This is why this film, 20 years later, is still one that we want to watch every single Christmas. It is because they insisted on doing everything with forced perspective. Um, So all of those scenes of Will Ferrell sitting on his dad's lap or sitting in the class or (laughs) in the North pole are all forced perspective. Now I'm, I'm sure you know what that is, but for people that don't necessarily know what that is, that's when you shoot someone nearer to the camera so that they look bigger than Everyone else, but you just have to frame really, really carefully, and it takes ages. On the filming of the of Elf, there was there was apparently one day where they spent the entire day framing up for a shot, and they didn't get it because it just was taking too long to basically sit Will Ferrell at the front of a classroom, ten feet further forward than everyone else is sitting in the classroom, so he looks massive on camera. while everyone else looks tiny, 10 feet behind it, but they just couldn't quite get this shot. So what they ended up doing was hiring a whole second bank of cinematographers and crew that would work through the night to set up the shots for the next day. So in total, I think there's something like 47 or 37. I've got a note here somewhere. There's something like 37 shots that were forced perspective shots to ensure that the film wouldn't age because John Favreau was like if we use CGI in 10 years time it'll look ridiculous people will just be like that looks stupid and what an amazing mindset to have right to think this will look silly with CGI because tech is moving so fast so it, technically it was one of those things that I'm just so grateful that they did it that's why we get that's why we come back to these films time and time again because someone took the time to do it properly then and that's why we keep coming back to talking about Chris Nolan and saying what he's doing is genius level because he's committing to things that goes against the grain at the moment and the idea of, mm. oh, just just whack it on a green screen. There's a bit in... You know, we were talking earlier on about the... Um, that, uh, leave the world behind. There's a scene in Leave the World Behind where a oil tanker crashes into the beach, and it's so clearly blue screen, a huge mm. blue screen stage with the family running away from where this tanker is about to crash. They're in real life on this set, and then the the, the ship is on the blue screen about to crash into the to the set. You know, it, it's so clear. But with this, everything is wonderfully real. And and I think Favreau should get a lot of credit for actually making sure that was the case.
1: He'd be sold out now, hasn't he? he? Does all the Marvel shite, so you know. But like it, it, it's the it's
0: the it's the and and doesn't he do all of the? Isn't he involved quite heavily? Wasn't he? Wasn't he involved in some of the Star Wars stuff as well? Maybe. Props. Uh, yeah, I
1: think he. Yeah, I think he did Mando. Yeah, Mandalorians. His, yeah, his. And- I think he's I think he wrote Mandalorian actually.
0: Yeah. And so that was kind of that. Yeah, he did Iron Man, didn't he? And then Mandalorian. Yeah. And, and, and this is frustrating because I know you can't I know that it can't be done in the present day because people just won't pay what they did. And also imagine now trying to be like, oh, we didn't shoot anything today. Like we literally didn't shoot a single thing and we spent all of that money and we didn't shoot a single thing. It got to the point apparently in, in Elf where they had to take the rushes. So the, the the kind of the dazed shooting and they had to process them almost overnight so that people could see the next day like or by the morning, the executives could see what had been done the previous day. And I mean, again, there's another classic example, isn't it? Of someone like, going out there and, and cre- yeah creating something special and amazing but it could have nearly not happened because someone could have gone well unfortunately this doesn't quite because there's
1: some them. pen pusher somewhere yeah do this does meet an
0: arbitrary target for us in terms of what we have to do here's a
1: kpi on creativity Bore <laughs> me later.
0: Oh. <laughs> exactly but yeah just on that i just thought that was quite interesting on the technical stuff mm. um just kind of the fact that they did this all without extras in terms of the new york city stuff the fact that they they use stop motion as well the fact they use stop yeah, motion yeah. In there as well really really cool bye buddy <laughs> hope you find your dad <laughs> yeah. that was john favreau the voice was it the yeah. narwhal yeah that's yeah, it's really cool. And they use it. I think it's got the Kyoto brothers. I like these really famous stop motion um, brothers, the that, that, that three of them that really, really kind of that industry best. Um, so, yeah, that's really nice. And I think the final thing that I had on this before we go on to our MVPs can we agree that they should never do a sequel?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't ever do it. It's, it ends. It's so self-contained. It's so perfect. Don't ever touch it. There's not talk of, the, of it, is there?
0: Well, I think Will Ferrell shut it down. Good. I think he's the one that's like, I don't want to do it because I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I ruined the legacy.
1: You can't. It's it, And it's... Every single Christmas, you know, it's 20 years on now. People watch it every single year. You know, one of um Charlotte's good friends... A <laughs> whole family they have in the in the lead up to Christmas they have something that they call elf Day we, where, we do that yeah, yeah they all yeah. well I, they all watch elf and they i think they all dress up as him as well when they we, watch so it. we
0: don't go that far we wear yeah. Christmas jumpers, do mince pies, mold wine, and we sit and we watch elf together and it's something that I really miss my sister's in Australia now, my brother was in in America, he's just got back, and i well, really selfish miss of him, isn't it? it knobs um <laughs> but i really really miss doing it you know it's a no- and it i think the reason why you do elf day and you don't do i don't know home alone day and is because elf is so perfectly self-contained you know it doesn't it's perfect it doesn't need anything more. It's beautifully intact. You watch it every year, like you said. You come to it, you see it, you watch it, and it's it's there for you. You know, it's like it's just a lovely, lovely thing to to kind of sit and take in and just make you feel perfectly Christmassy. And I don't think we need to touch it. So please, please, for anyone that's thinking about trying to make Elf two, just nip it in the bud and go and make Iron Man twenty seven instead. Um, <laughs> uh well put. right who's your who's your mvp james khan oh are you going to james khan
1: james khan yeah <laughs> no and way. i'm not I'm... just saying that to be edgy i'm not just saying that because <laughs> it's obviously will Fer- will ferrell does what he does as buddy the elf very very well but in terms of like depth of performance and everything like that is james khan he carries the film not he doesn't carry the film. i'm not going to say that but he he carries maybe the emotional beats of the film as to zoe deschanel does a lot of the lifting on that on that side yeah. of things as well but i think yeah. james khan as being like this man's man you know it's sonny from the godfather this kind of new up. york dad that's no nonsense having to deal with this like not only a son showing up after 30 years or something for him to be kind of the way Buddy is, I just honestly just his, his like his delivery in so many of the lines, the way he is, the way he is just so perfectly that character. I couldn't see anybody else playing it other than, and I'm talking even like a De Niro or something, because that would be a kind of a, uh, maybe closest, somebody else you would it? think of. Yeah. But even there, I'm like, it doesn't. I don't think De Niro because De Niro can sometimes, and I love him, but he can lean into the comedy a little bit too much. James Caan is straight as he they plays come. A straight,
0: straight bat on this one.
1: hundred percent. He's not even. He doesn't even <laughs> like. He doesn't even doesn't kind flinch. of like. No, no, not at all. You know the scene when so Buddy turns up to it. the
0: office and he was like, "Go on, then. Are you going to sing a song or you know he yeah. like he so nails that." That, that, yeah, that yeah. juxtaposition in the office of Buddy's like, and I'm here with my dad, and I love you, <laughs> I love you. And he's just kind of like, what the fuck is this? It? It's just
1: so good. I've got to say, one of the bits that <laughs> cracks me up every single time as well is <laughs> Buddy buying him lingerie, you know, for somebody special. <laughs> right?
0: get him getting the a little get, out of then, the box. And then he <coughs> gets out, uh, intercom. Yeah. <laughs> so <good>. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, good, man. It's but so, so good. So, but the thing is, you know, it's coming and you still laugh. And that is why it's kind of on that goat level. You know what's coming and you still absolutely. I, uh, I... Will Ferrell, for me, does stage falls almost better than anyone. You know the amount of times he falls down in this, and you and and just you know he jumps on the Christmas tree, and then it. (laughs) When he's getting
1: rugby tackled by the Santa in the store and all that type of stuff, like
0: you sit on a throne of lies, amazing. Um, That's I'm I'm giving it to Will Ferrell because I just uh, I I just think from my side (laughs) you're not having any of it. I I I think no no I know it's tough it's tough call. He's amazing, amazing, and. How you manage to, in front of that many people on a set, just be that level of buffoon. And I mean, this is before he was, if that was kind of only your first or second film and just wandering around in New York in bright yellow tights for some I don't know if you, you definitely have had to do this, but if you've ever tried to re, like shoot something selfie style on a phone, like deliver a video message, selfie style, whilst there's people walking around you. It's the most horrible feeling in the world. So imagine being in a green jacket and yellow tights and an elf outfit and wandering around New York and trying to hug a guy who's just in a red tracksuit and calling him Santa like that. It's just next level for me. But like you said, assists, Zoe Zooey Deschanel, Peter Dinklage, amazing cameo, John Favreau for, for his narwhal voice, and then Bob Newhart as well. Um, as as Papa Elf, who's very very good. Um, he's a,
1: so I love I love his delivery at the beginning. So I guess you're here for the story.
0: Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> really, that that little sort of monologue at the beginning. It's so well delivered, isn't it? yeah just a, it, the annunciation the kind of like oh, and that brings us to the that that is another little christmas trope that i love i love a little bit like that so come and come and pull up a chair and sit and listen let's get into the christmas story it's brilliant it was something that shrek shrek did particularly well i thought as well you know when it sort of took the piss out of disney by opening the book and then um they go through the pages and then he ends up wiping his ass with the by tearing the page out of the book i thought phenomenal
1: um right do you want to take the fine wines or the war crimes um i think i i don't think there's many war crimes in this i'm I'm gonna be i'm gonna be real i think it i think it, it i think it's a fine wine in the respect that it's 20 years old now and i'd like to think in the same way that we were talking about being able to watch charlie and the chocolate factory which was made you know way before either of us were born that kids i reckon kids today can probably still watch this and really really enjoy it. Um yeah. I think the film has a lot of heart. I think as I said at the very top, you know, back back where we started. It's just it's very funny. It's got a lot of heart. I don't think it tries to be edgy in any respect. I think it embraces kind of the Christmas spirit, all that type of thing. Um, You know, I love the fact that they even have those little sections in there where it's like there's even this rumor during the rounds that it's the parents that give the presents, you know, like it's so nice that they kind of do that sort of thing. I just I I think it's great. I think it I think it's a a real fine wine personally.
0: Yeah, me too. A tiny, tiny thing that I'll mention is just like in terms of the the cast itself. I went through it again today and I was like, well, I think there's two people of colour, in the entire cast of mm. about 50. And I think that probably is just a sign of the age of the film that it was 2003, so 20 years ago. Um, but I think the message is still, the heart of it is still so lovely. And I think, like I said, the physical comedy for Will Ferrell, unbelievably good. James Kahn incredibly good. Um, and like I said, that the, the fact that they went out and did a lot of it is, is really special. Um, I will let you take over on the ratings, sir. Run us through them. Oh, I actually did oh, the research for you already, so you, you don't did, even I've have to that. scan around. What a man.
1: Look at that. Look at that. Well prepared. So this week, IMDb. Wow. Depressingly low score for IMDb. 7.1 for Elf on IMDb.
0: I'm going to go. I think Rotten Tomatoes is probably closer. On this, yeah. it's probably closer to the real life score.
1: So Rotten Tomatoes' critic score is 86%. The audience score, funnily enough, lower, 79%. I wonder why so, that's dropped. I hmm, don't know. Maybe people, I think, you know, like we are sort of talking about Will Ferrell, he is maybe a little Marmite. I, I think Mar- Possibly, no, Marmite's yeah. overstating it, I think. But, you know, I think people that don't like Will people. Ferrell hate Will Ferrell, you yeah, know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Grinds their gears
1: um metacritic 66 percent for metacritic but 8.5 from the audience score so i do
0: i have, one week i will sort of send a strongly worded email to metacritic because i do just think it's bizarre that you've got this score and then a, a rating out of 10 it well just it
1: really is like a splinter in the brain isn't it
0: yeah what are you giving it on the popcornometer
1: um in terms of like as a christmas film five out of five yeah I think am going to give it five, five popcorns do, out of five mate it's a I think we've film. got
0: to rate it as a Christmas film haven't we yeah like for me it's a five on the, on the Christmas yeah, film yeah 100% um, now brand new feature to finish us up which I really yeah, you've been, hope I've been teasing you like. with this all day I really really hope that you like and I'm going to get Purdy to run the theme for it now the rules of this I'm calling it IMD ball okay And the rules are, we take two people from either the film that we're watching this week or the last two films that we watched, and we have essentially a film shootout using the scores from IMDB. Now, we take it in turns to go, and the best of five wins, the first of three wins, And I'm going to suggest, because we've done two films over the the festive season so far, in that we will have... I mean, we have had Die Hard as well, but we'll put it to one side. We've had Elf this week. We've had Love Actually last week. I'm going to throw up two options. You can either take Will Ferrell, or you can take Hugh Grant, and we will use... that. We'll pit film against film, and we'll use the scores on IMDb to see who wins. Does that make sense?
1: Okay, let's let's do uh let's do Hugh Grant.
0: You've got Hugh Grant, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take Will Ferrell, so you can take. Oh, you can- okay, I
1: see. So they're both our com- Okay, I get you so now. So we're get competing
0: you against each other, and we can keep okay. tally each week. Okay. so like, okay. I mean, uh, hopefully at some point we'll do um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so we can do Brad Pitt versus Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh but yeah. For, for this week, um, you're t- you're taking Hugh Grant, okay? I'll take Will Ferrell. So first penalty. You go first. What's your first pick, film-wise? Notting Hill. Notting Hill. I am gonna go for Anchorman. Notting Hill. Seven point two on IMDb. anchor Anchorman is seven point six. One oh. Neil Haynes. Here we go. Now the pressure's on, mate. You're 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 one down. Under the pressure already. Um, I will go next for. Will Ferrell, I will go for, and this is cheating, I'll go for Barbie.
1: Ah, yeah, that is cheating. Now, this is the one where I'm like, do I just write one off now then?
0: Do I do a shit one, miss the pen, and then go big on the next one? Get a strategy coming in here.
1: Um, Let's say with that one, let's go, let's go Love Actually. There you go. Let's do that.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God barbie was only 7.0 on imdb what? barbie's rated a 7 on imdb and love actually 7.1 i'm gonna go then um if we're going Ooh, will ferrell what have you done that was i'll go old oh i'll go old school
1: i'll say mickey blue eyes
0: oh what a film old school was seven out of ten mickey blue eyes was 1999 5.9 <laughs> that, <is brutal. laughs> that is brutal absolutely brutal okay your turn to go first so that is 2-1 haynes you need this sudden death now
1: it's it's about boy orf no no, Paddington two ah oh,
0: I was hoping God, was you would that was the open was, goal was wasn't it that I was, was me, you seven Cristiano points.
1: Ronaldo not taking a penalty like. yeah
0: exactly putting him up at the end okay so I need something here that's going to come out and slap it so what has he done what has Will Ferrell done that could counter that that level of that, that level of quality? there's a big
1: one that I'm hoping you you've forgotten
0: oh this is pain Ooh. what um because i was gonna go i've got like semi pro in there i've got um what is he do? Oh, this is you know when you're like under pressure and suddenly then you can't you can't quite think um big ones that i've forgotten from will ferrell big
1: think big. supporting
0: yeah, that's where I'm going now, As I'm trying to sort of remember once where he's, where he's come in as a as a kind of like supporting actor or been a, been a bit part. Um I I'll go I'll go semi pro, I'll chuck it. So padding two seven point eight, semi pro was a five point eight. Okay, two in that's that two death. one now to me. Oh wow, okay. So this is it. Sudden death. Go on, you can pick first because I threw this on you.
1: Hmm. let's say about a boy
0: oh man that's such a good film as well
1: but I'm wondering if it's one of those that we're going to say is a good film but because it's rated by Americans I like meh 6.1 you know what I mean
0: oh man I don't want to do Talladega Nights is it unfair to do Elf it is unfair to do Elf why? I'll go I'll go I did love actually. I'll go Step Brothers.
1: Oh
0: Okay, so about a boy is seven point one Step Brothers. Oof Six point nine <laughs> Very big well Q. played. Okay. Big, one big W for Hugh and and well played one nil.
1: I love that as a feature, mate. I do. So, love Isn't that, as that a good feature,
0: little? That's a nice. And hopefully, we can cut that up for a bit of social. Um, and people will absolutely ruin us for forgetting. <gasps> for guess guess what? Four
1: weddings and a funeral was just. I
0: want it, let it be eight. It's so s- good. Seven point one. No, no. Okay, yeah. what? Just very quickly before we end. Wh- what did we miss? Um, what What were the films that we missed? You told there was one that I completely forgot. What was Zoolander. it? Zoolander. Ah that's such a good shout. We and also had. And that was had, pre-elf
1: actually. You yeah, when we were talking about.
0: Yeah. So I, do you know what? I think I got oh, most.
1: It's only 6.5. Zoolander.
0: See this is it. Like I, I think we got most of the good films in there. But if we missed any. If you were like. If those are your. If those are your players. And, and you would have kind of. You had some other options. I can't believe. Stepbrother is only 6.9. I mean. I can't believe
1: Mickey Blue Eyes was what? 5.2 or whatever M- Mickey it was, Blue Eyes
0: are fucking about the Forget about it. Um, one of my favourites. Absolutely love that film. Um, okay, uh, so no film next week. We will bring you a little bit of festive fun and and do a few Christmas films and a bit of Christmas chat. Um, and we'll we'll probably rank our our all time Christmases and then we'll do twenty three for twenty three and that'll be out the week after. Thank you so much, mate. That was enormous fun. That's um, good.
1: I I, th- I reckon once Christmas period is done, I reckon we'll be back. With a, I think we're gonna have to do a big one when we come back from Christmas, don't you?
0: Yeah, but I agree. It's got to be something huge, hasn't it's it? It's
1: gonna be one of the big ones. One of the we're gonna have to. It's gonna be a key that opens up a safe, and within that safe, there's a little box. And then what we're gonna have to do is, and uh, there's some box and some instructions to find another key. We're gonna to have to go on a journey to find that key to open up this box, and within that box is gonna be. I, no, I'm not gonna carry. Do this you want on. no? But yeah. you would. It's do basically you know what? Is one it of those so films. That is, is so locked down that we. You, do you know what I mean? I think I've, that's where we have to go. I
0: I I don't know whether now is the time for. So it is the 18th of December. <sighs> Maybe I'll hit you with my Christmas confession. Um, that I'd sort of. I I said to myself I would save it for something special on the pod. Um you know what I for, uh, I'll tell you it on I'll tell you it next week. A oh. bit of suspense. I'll tell you it next week, but it's I would say it's it's about as big as you can go and it's a it's a big Christmas confession film-wise.
1: Leave me hanging there, mate. I know, Leave man. A whole
0: out. week of this. A whole week. Oh, there. Right there. Oh, Thank you so much for joining us at BYOB Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All of them. You can watch the reviews back on YouTube as well. but all of the film reviews on YouTube separately so you can have a good, good go of them. Let us know. If you see Leave the World Behind, if you see How to Have Sex, if you see um, Wonka, Bonker. let us know what you think of those films and we'll try and get as many of the comments as possible. We'll still do some comments on the show next week. Thanks so much for listening. bye, 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 bye.